<clears throat> Message 20 in the book of Hebrews to remind you that this book is written to Jewish background Christians who have been persecuted and scattered across the Roman Empire. And in their persecution, they're troubled. Should we go back to Judaism or should we stay with Jesus? This book clearly says that Jesus is the better way and the better priest. Don't go back to the Old Testament law and sacrifice. Look to Jesus and what he did. So, in chapter 7, the writer told us, God has raised up a priest, not after the Levitical order, but like Melchizedek, a priest forever. And he unpacks that in chapter 7. And now he continues in chapter 8 to talk about this great high priest of God. No other priest in heaven or earth is like Jesus Christ. Remember, originally there's no chapter divisions when they wrote these letters. Someone took the time to break it up in the chapters and verse that help us. But chapter 8 continues the theme of this priest forever like Melchizedek. And what did he do? Now, you can follow along. There's an outline in your bulletin. It's the same outline I have. And so, our first point is simply that there's a majestic high priest in verses 1 and 2. He says here, this is the main point of what I've been saying. We have the high priest that we need. Throughout human history, men have raised up thousands of priests to do some type of sacrifice to offer prayers because they know they've sinned, they're guilty, they're trying to alleviate the problem and be reconciled to God. It's human nature to
to go to some type of priest for forgiveness. But those are all false priests. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, look to Jesus, the priest who replaces the Old Testament priest. The priest that God raised up under Aaron and Moses and Levi. They were good for that covenant. But now I give you a more qualified and perfect and complete priesthood in the name of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He fulfilled all the law. He didn't break it. He kept the commandments. And so the law is fulfilled. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I came to complete it to fulfill it so that by my work what you can't do has been done and I came by dying on the cross to be the legal penal substitutionary sacrifice for your sin The writer says here, this is our majestic high priest. He restates what's been said in previous chapters. He says the priest we need exists. Here he is. It's the person of Christ. And then he says about this Christ. Where is he seated? Is this priest dead and buried and corrupted in a grave like thousands of other human priests in history? Like Muhammad or Buddha or Joseph Smith. No, he says, this priest has been raised by God and he's alive. And where is he? He says, it's at the right hand of God the Father on the throne reserved for him with all glory and honor that's due him as the Son of God. At his trial, the high priest of that day asked Jesus directly, Are you the Son of God? Are you the Messiah? And what did Jesus say? I am 
you will see sitting where? At the right hand of the Father. And you will see me one day riding on the clouds, returning to earth, full of power and glory. The high priest immediately understood Jesus is said that he's divine. He's the Son of God. And he tears his clothes, accusing Jesus of blasphemy. But you see, the writer here is saying, what kind of priest do you need? What kind of priest exists? The high priest of God. Where is he? The Son of God. On the right hand throne of God. What did the psalmist say? You are a priest forever. By the order of Melchizedek. Sit on the right hand throne. Till I make all my enemies to be my footstool. So brothers and sisters, do you need a priest? Do you need a go-between between holy God and you because of sin? Yes. And what did God do? What did he provide? He provided his son to be prophet, priest, and king. God the Father is satisfied with the Son. He has received him back out of the grave, back into the heavens to sit on this throne of glory. When we pray to God through Jesus, how close is the Father to the Son? It's not like one person is in this corner of the universe and one is here. No, the Father and the Son are together unified in purpose and will and working together and this is good and uh, this place where Jesus is said to be ministry verse 2 he's the minister of, of a holy place a sanctuary the true tabernacle of God, which God himself has made. Jesus, the qualified priest, ministering where? In the presence of his Father.
in the most holy place imaginable, the sanctuary of the heavens, not created by human effort, but made by God himself. Now, we read in Exodus 25 that God, in his mercy, gave to Israel priests and a place of worship out in the wilderness called the tabernacle that served Israel during those years. Later, the tabernacle, the house of God, is replaced by the temple built by Solomon, the son of David. Those were the places that God allowed to be built so that Israel could commune with God have a sacrificial system that allowed for the covering of their sin. But again, Moses didn't wake up one day and say, hey guys, I got an idea for a great big beautiful tent. No, what we read in Exodus 25, so God had showed to Moses the plans, detailed, beautiful plans for a place of worship and how the priest would function, how it would be built with great beauty and that would be a place where sinners could approach a holy God through a mediator, a human priest. But you notice that he says here that was a copy of what Jesus is serving in, in heaven. That's the glorious, true tabernacle. What was here in the tabernacle and temple is a copy, a shadow of the greater one, the greater temple. Now think about this. A husband as a wife, what does he prefer? A nice, beautiful portrait of his wife or his wife. <laughs> you know, yeah, I remember. She was nice, but I love his picture. That's not the way a husband thinks about a wife he loves. He wants the person, not the copy. The grass house, you lost the child. 
you remember you have a picture it's not the same as having your son and so that tabernacle was great for that covenant but God gave us a better covenant a better priest a better sacrifice and a complete perfect salvation in Christ now the next point is there this is a high priest who fulfills his duties <clears throat> under the old covenant the priests were raised up they were appointed to do this these priestly duties offer prayers collect dyes offer sacrifices for sin now there were many priests so if I did something sinful I would go find the priest offer the sacrifice pigeon doves a goat a lamb a bull and during Passover the households of Judaism all would go to the Passover feast and the households would each have a priest offer the sacrifice for their sins now some experts feel so many people descended on Jerusalem from all over the empire not just the nation that there were hundreds of thousands perhaps millions of Jews needing sacrifices so every priest had to work 18,000 priests to so everybody could have this atonement for sin what a burden to think I sinned I have to go to the temple find a priest what if I do this next month do I have to go back and back and back but God has given the high priest who offers the sacrifice himself the one true Lamb of God for sin and also he says the high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices you know you didn't go to school to be a high priest you didn't go to the priestly college and if you're top of the class 
You like it. Now, the priest appointed a man to be the high priest. But it wasn't always permanent. During Jesus' time, it was a year-to-year -year office. So it's, we're told that the high priest, the year Jesus was arrested, was Caiaphas. Now, this priest is limited because one, he's not perfect. He has his own sins. And two, he's mortal. He'll be replaced one day. But he did have the responsibility to represent the whole nation on the day of atonement. When the high priest took the offering and he crossed the curtain from what's called the holy place in the temple. Only the priest could go there. Not the common people, but crossed from there to the inner sanctuary, the most holy place, covered, separated by the curtain. And only the high priest could go in to that inner place once a year. The Day of Atonement was the proper sacrifice. And it's serious business. The priest knew. I could be a priest. I could be a chief priest. I could lead an order of priests. But unless I'm the high priest with a proper sacrifice, I dare not enter that inner sanctuary. The penalty is death because it's holy. The Jewish priest knew this. Tradition says they tied a rope around the ankle of the high priest just in case he died in God's presence. Because nobody could go in there to get his body. Serious. So the high priest has a very serious responsibility and duty. It's not just for his sins, the writer said earlier, but it's sins for the whole nation. The day of atonement for the people of God. But he's saying here, is that that's the way it was done 
under the old covenant in the temple. But Jesus is the greater high priest who laid down his life a complete perfect sacrifice that God the Father is pleased with because it's the propitiation for sins of his people first John 2 1 and 2 say that to us and he reminds us the Old Testament priest serve God in a copy in a type of the true sanctuary of God those priests cannot do did not do do not enter what Jesus entered Jesus entered what the heavenly sanctuary and took his place at the right hand throne. And I remind you, the right hand always symbolizes greatness, blessing, honor, perfection. The left hand, lesser blessing at the best or even wrath and curses Jesus our priest the right hand of the father Moses was obedient they made a good tabernacle after the copy after what God showed him up on the mount and but now verse 6 a nor hi Daniel a more excellent ministry we're in Hebrews chapter 8 a more excellent ministry a perfect priesthood a perfect sacrifice. John the Baptist is talking to his disciples. And he says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Takes away the sin of the world. He didn't say one lamb, an occasional lamb. He said, the Lamb of God, the one sacrifice for our sin, the sins of the world. And this Jesus, he says, is the mediator of a better covenant. The perfect mediator. The only one who can represent us sinful people and a holy God, his Father. Jesus, the only one 
so to speak, who can stretch out his hand and connect to God and stretch out his hand and connect to humanity. Why? Because he's the Son of God and also truly man. We need this mediator to re represent us because we're sinners. But the Lamb had to be unblemished. He had to be the righteous Son of God to represent God's terms. So he represents God in me. So he's a mediator. An old covenant that covered our sin. A new covenant that takes away sin. A new covenant with better terms, better conditions, better promises. Who can mediate? Jesus, this great priest. Only Jesus can stand and mediate this covenant upon God's terms. A covenant with better promises. What is promised in Christ? The forgiveness of sin. The imputation of righteousness. Life, abundant life, eternal life, peace with God, reconciliation with God. Every spiritual blessing is given to us in Christ. A couple years ago, I wrote a study that we looked at something like I came up with 47, I think, spiritual blessings that we have in Christ because of Christ. So Jesus, the mediator, the priest appointed by God, gives us better terms, better results, better promises. Mark prayed earlier, quoting 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the better promise of the priesthood of Jesus. Your sin, past, present, future, is forgiven. Your need of righteousness is given by Christ. And it's not just positional, but Christ and the Spirit work to sanctify us, to make us holy. That's 
definitely a better promise of this covenant. This is what Christ has done. This is what God's counsel said I'm going to do. I'm going to redeem my people through my plan, the work of my son, the work of the spirit. It's a better covenant with better promises. And that gives us hope because the scriptures say this Jesus at the right hand of God. He's not dead. He's alive. He's glorified. He'll one day return as king. This priest lives to make intercession for us. He prays. He still forgives. He still makes us righteous. He still hears and answers prayers. So brothers and sisters, have hope in this great qualified high priest of God. At the bottom of your outline, couple action points. Daniel, the outlines in the bulletin, if you want to look at. Please read chapters 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 in the coming weeks. Keep reading this book of Hebrews as I keep preaching through it. Study it. Read it. It'll help you understand this priesthood. Because the writer, who I believe is probably Paul, is going to keep talking about this priesthood and this sacrifice. Then the second action point. Brothers and sisters, you look to Christ for salvation. Keep looking to Jesus. John 15 says, He's the true vine. Abide in the vine. Where have you been placed? You're united by grace, by faith, to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Don't look to any other priest or prophet. Look to Jesus for salvation, forgiveness, righteousness, life, and hope. Don't look to any other mediator. Don't look to any priest of any other religion. There are hundreds of them out there that people 
try to use to deal with sin. You came to Christ. Look to Christ. Amen. Don't look to Buddha. Don't look to Charles Russell. Or Joseph Smith. Or Confucius. Or Muhammad. Look to the true priest. When you're discouraged. When you feel guilty. Look to Jesus. The same gospel. Brought you into the kingdom. Keeps you into the kingdom. The God that started your salvation. Will finish it. In Christ. Amen. Now, the third action point. Tell others about Jesus, this great priest, who has accomplished the work of redemption for sinners. We read in Romans 5, what did Jesus do? He died for the ungodly. He died for sinners. God demonstrate love to the world that Christ died once and for all for sin. So we've been given a commission to go preach the gospel, tell others about the priesthood of Jesus. No other priest can do it. Why? Brothers and sisters, every person you meet, every person is a creature made in the image of God, but they perish without Christ. John 3.16 says to reject the Son given is to perish and not have eternal life. So, we must be about the business of witnessing about Christ. I know sometimes it's hard. We don't like to do it. It's not easy. People mock us. Sometimes hurt us. We might suffer because of it. But that's our commission. To represent Christ. In this world. How shall they hear? Without the preaching of the world. Now. Many people. Are trusting. In false priests. False prophets. False mediators. It's our business. To tell them the truth. About Jesus. Now. Not all of us. Are called to preach. Out in the open air. 
or here or anywhere. But can we just talk to people about Jesus? What Jesus has done for you? Can you be the beggar who found some bread and tell other beggars where the bread of life is? Maybe it's as simple as just carry a few tracks with you and give them to people as you have opportunity. You don't have to say, I got to give up a thousand tracks today. Just maybe give up a few. Give somebody a gospel. You know, we run into Muslims and they'll say, well, Jesus was just a minor prophet. Jesus was this. They don't know. Most of them have never read an eyewitness account of the life of Christ. Give them a gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you a story to wrap it up. There was an old Australian man. He's dead now. He was a perverse sinner as a young man. A member of the Australian Navy during World War II. And you know how sailors are. You know, they drink, they swear, they womanize. He was just a totally depraved young man. After the war, he hears the gospel. He gets saved. He goes to work on George Street in Sydney at a little shop. But he wants to tell people about Christ, what Christ has done for him. So he says, I'm going to get some tracks from my church. I'm going to go out during my lunch hour and just hand out tracks to a few people. And all he would say to people is, do you know where you're going when you die? Can I give you a tract about Jesus? He did that until his death at something like age 95, something like 70 years, he did that. At a missions conference, a pastor stood up, told the story about this little white-haired guy in Sydney, Australia, used to give out tracks. And a couple people stood up and said, you know something? I know somebody who was saved because of that. Somebody else said, I know pastors who were saved because of his tracks. I know missionaries saved because of that man's witness. And they did some research. 
and they found literally the testimony of hundreds of people in ministry because this little old white enemy just gave out tracks faithful we can do it why because we're united to Jesus and we have the spirit amen father thank you for a great great high priest who fulfilled all the terms that satisfied you sin has been dealt with and taken away we not Lead, live in fear. We have Christ. We have hope. We have forgiveness. Let us look to Christ. Rest in Christ. Thank you for Jesus. And let us tell others about Christ. Amen. Thank you.